0: read this and you write well Amy so there's no question about your writing that's not my point um what's interesting to me about the article I'll just tell you right out the bat is uh it's entitled how to deal with guilt and it's on the website and believe it or not I actually read stuff on our website it's <laughs> usually written written by the better people I won't say all who the better people are some of them I can tell I can tell who writes what and I don't I don't read everything but I I read I read this writer and um what struck me is it you know it's it's it certainly taken from uh uh studies that have been done by a few people and and by some uh this is this particular one is taken from what i consider to be a cutting edge study but what struck me as i went through it was that um guilt is the enemy of intimacy guilt is the enemy of intimacy and so w- When you look at guilt and you look at the Bible, what you see, I think, is there's a religious definition or a church attending membership definition of guilt, which usually has to do with sin and I've done something wrong. And oftentimes I think those of us who've been around churches for a while, we define sin as anything that makes us feel guilty. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. I think sin is sin, and I think there are a lot of things that make us feel guilty that are not even wrong. We just feel guilty for it because we feel emotional about it. Um, so when you look at the idea of guilt, you have to be broader than just sin. You have to think about guilt as a overarching emotion that is a warning sign to us, or an awareness sign to us, or it can be a a trained reaction so if you grow up around a really religious environment going to church all your life you are trained to think certain things are wrong and you probably haven't even thought it through Hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Uh, a little kid who grows up in a religious home sees the movie tarzan and goes he doesn't have a shirt on a kid who doesn't grow up in a religious home sees tarzan and goes dude he's ripped (laughs) you know, it's just, <laughs> I want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that 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 the environment can cause you to define guilt according to your upbringing. And yeah. I'm not even saying that's wrong. I'm saying when people read about how to deal with guilt, I think it's a little bit deeper subject than anyone wants to always. Or I shouldn't say anyone. Than we always want to have. Yeah. And that's why I I wrote down guilt is the enemy of intimacy. That guilt should not be, this is just me, you know, I'm just talking here. Spitballing. Guilt should not, exactly, spitballing. I'm going to spit on Mike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, uh, but guilt should not be this thing that tortures us. Hmm. It, the Bible teaches, and this article does a good job of explaining it, that it can torture us. Um, it can destroy us. But it should be something we understand, I think, in light of something simple, which is why I say, and this is new for me, that guilt is the enemy of intimacy. That guilt is the thing that gets in the way of me being intimate with God and me being intimately close to people. It is the thing that makes me go out searching for answers to my life that uh, are not God, because oftentimes we're chasing medication, whether it's a drug or it's pleasure to bury our emotional feelings of guilt. Um, Sometimes we go to church in an effort to deal with our guilt. And so I think we have to really understand this thing's powerful. And what I got out of the article overall was that uh, guilt can keep you from being uh, transparent and sharing your life. But what is that? That's intimacy. Hmm. But unfortunately when you're in a religious environment, We don't think intimacy, we think guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I'm thinking, I can't be close to my wife, if I feel guilt and I don't share it, is an intimacy problem, then I'm not coming with so much shame, I'm going, hey, right now there's something in my head or something in my heart that's making me want to create distance. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And so the goal is not, I need to be shamed or I'm going to get in trouble. But I've noticed amongst a lot of people who grow up and are around churches a lot, everything they talk about has to do with shame, getting in trouble, Mm -hmm. somebody looking down on them, which says to me that their approach to Christianity is not relational. And so if your approach to Christianity is relational, the idea of guilt completely changes Mm -hmm. because now you're saying it's not a measure Mm of, am I good? It's a measure of am I close? Yeah. And if yeah. we could actually get, now I'm, I'm not, I'm coming at this from a lot of years. I remember being so afraid and so ashamed to be open about anything because I was very suppressed uh, before I became a Christian. I suppressed mm-hmm. all my emotions. So it's very frightening for me to tell you what I thought, mm-hmm. let alone what I did. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And sometimes I did things. They weren't bad, but I thought, oh, people in church will think it's bad, mm-hmm. right? so mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell them. Mm-hmm. And then you just get all mixed up. And so one of the things I I, I'm, I, I grew up terrible at because I suppressed emotions is one of the reasons, is intimacy. Intimacy, I was afraid of it. Uh, mostly I associated being close to somebody with the possibility of rejection, mm-hmm. exposure, humiliation, being ashamed. And so as I read the article, and I thought it was well written, I thought, boy, there's so much about this that I wish we could say. And I know we can't say it all as a starting point for discussion for people Mm -hmm. and especially for religious people who I think get pushed to the brink of breakdown because of defining guilt and sin and all these things from a religious performance point of view and not a relational intimacy point of view. Mm. But those are some of the initial things I want to read a scripture and then you guys can tell me how I'm wrong. (laughs) Uh, these are just things I'm playing with, and that that, that made me. Because I think the study does a good job of talking about it. It just doesn't mention some of those uh, words, which uh, um, are, um, um, you know, some words that hit me in First John chapter three, in the Voice translation, in verse nineteen. I've checked this against all the accurate translations. It does a good job, but it illuminates a lot. What some uh, translations, it's a little confusing. First John three nineteen. there's the sure way for us to know that we belong to the truth. Even though our inner thoughts may condemn us with storms of guilt and constant reminders of our failures, we can know in our hearts that in his presence, God himself is greater than any accusation. He knows all things. My loved ones, if our hearts cannot condemn us, then we can stand with confidence before God. Whatever we may ask, we may receive it from him because we follow his commands and take the path that pleases him. His command is clear. Believe in the name of his son, Jesus, the anointed, and love one another as he commanded. Now, verse 24, I think it encapsulates all of what we just read well. The one who follows his teaching and walks this path lives in an intimate relationship with God. How do we know that he lives in us? By the gift of his spirit. I just think when you look at this passage and you sort of connect it with John 15, which talks about abiding, everything God is trying to do is get us to be intimate with him and intimate with each other, close to him, close to each other, love him, and love each other. And so you have to see that big context before guilt means anything. Otherwise, guilt just becomes another way to measure people's performance. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, guilt, sin is just another way to go. You rank and, and, and you're good and I'm not. I can be a leader. You can't be. And it really messes people up. And then it changes all the conversations into mm-hmm. like weird Mm-hmm. They become really weird. If I say this, what are people going to do? You know, if I say that, it's why, you know, I was joking earlier. It's why as Christians, a lot of times, if we get something new and someone says, hey, is that new? We feel like we have to explain. Oh, I got that on discount. <laughs> right. That yeah, was a gift. It's true. You know, mm-hmm. and it's because there's this overarching sort of performance thing going Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. where everybody has in their head there's a certain number of rules and if you don't follow them you're guilty and then we ruin each other because we make each other feel terrible i do it Mm -hmm. we make each other feel terrible about stuff we should make them feel terrible Mm -hmm. about because i think at the end of the day it's our nature to be rule oriented Mm -hmm. not to be intimate give me the rules Cause I can understand the rules and I can accomplish those relationships are too messy. Yeah. But those are some of the thoughts I had. And I want to, I want to dig into the article a little bit more cause I thought the, the points are really great, but those are some of the ideas and thoughts I've been having about it.
1: I um I, I think it's really good. When I was going through these scriptures, the thing that stood out to me, the word that kept coming to my mind was vulnerability. So I guess that goes with the intimacy idea because for me, I grew up in a really, um, I, I didn't grow up religious, but I did grow up in a very like real uh, performance, high performance home. Right. And I, like I thought, you know, you had to be perfect and, Straight A's and everything is kind of how I found security. So I think the idea of dealing with guilt is like the opposite of that. Like, like you're bad. You're, you know. And so, um, so it's like so vulnerable to go. I feel bad about this. Here's where I'm falling short. Here's something I did wrong. It's so. It's like it's it's just so vulnerable to like go. Okay, yeah, I'm not perfect, and that's what's really hard. But I guess that's where it, for me with God, that can be, you know, difficult to go. I'm gonna be vulnerable and go. Yeah, I'm not good, and I need your help. You know, that's really hmm. challenging. And don't <laughs> think that it is? You
0: know, I, 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 I don't. I actually didn't grow up in a, well, I probably did grow up in a high performance home, but I never thought of it like that probably because I was hyper performing. But, um, (laughs) but what I felt like, and I wrote this down today, I'm just trying to relate and is, and I'm wondering what you think about this is that it wasn't so much my environment as my, this is me. I'm not telling you, this is you. What I realized, I realized this actually this morning, I used achievement as my pursuit to have intimacy because I didn't know how to get it. Yeah. And so I thought if I become popular, if I succeed, if I'm a good athlete, I'm important, people will like me. So instead of going up and saying, not that you do this in high school, (laughs) I'm insecure and I don't have any friends that I feel close to, would you like to be close friends? I didn't even have vocabulary or the maturity to even put that sentence together when I was 16 Mm -hmm. years old. but. What I found in my life is a lot of my drive for success was actually a desire for intimacy Mm going wrong. mm -hmm. And so I actually look at family, and I think you're saying this, our families, none of us would be sitting there if our families weren't pretty good. So um, our families are really good, but they're human. So at some point, we have to make a decision to sort of translate in our head, what I really want is relationship, love, connection, intimacy, but oftentimes we don't do it. Mostly because we're not taught it. And then we either become perfectionist I'm like that. Or we become, you know, recalcitrant, mm-hmm. you know, rebels or something. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, <totally ignoring. laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. I have to go um, for it.
1: I think that's what I thought. I just thought it, I got to be the best and then I'll be secure. I'll be happy. And that intimacy thing, you know, if I'm the best, if I'm good if i'm perfect you know like that's what i felt like would i didn't think the word intimacy ever you know didn't really know that but Me i either. think that's where i felt like i would feel secure you know if i'm if i'm I probably honestly like, so i have three sisters and we're, i was always competing right so if i'm if i'm better then i'll feel good about myself and i'll be the best And i gotta i gotta keep up here you know and so that's kind of where i think i probably was striving to feel secure
0: or- yeah absolutely like well it's, it's funny
2: because i um i was trying to under- figure out what my angle was on this because I, I don't feel like I've been like a, a com- hyper-competitive, ambitious person. Like right. kind of the opposite, you know? Like, so I, I think, but uh but intimacy I relate to. I think I've like wanted intimacy, but I like want to protect myself from hurt a lot. And, like, yeah. Rejection, really afraid. I was really insecure in high school. You know, I didn't think girls would want to talk to me, so I didn't talk to girls. Right. You know, like I didn't think I would, I was really afraid to lose friends, so I didn't try to make a lot of friends. Right. You know, so it's kind of, uh, so the idea of guilt, you know, resonates with me because I'm I'm like, I don't want to, guilt is like, uh, I'm going to lose something or I'm going to, you know, like, so what you just said about intimacy kind of helps, that helps make sense a little bit. Well, like, see,
0: I think you're, I, I actually think your, y- your response is the same as what we're talking about. Yeah. It's just different. Right. You, you, you wanted intimacy and you found the, you found the path to get the best intimacy you could, which is protection. Right. Yes. Because protection is a form of intimacy, meaning. I can feel safe, or Amy used the word secure. I can feel secure if I protect myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think we get we get. I hate to use this word because it's terrible, but we get twisted in our view of love mm-hmm. because we don't know. Right. And it's not like you go to school and they go class number one freshman love. <laughs> you're, not, <laughs> you're, you're not you're not going to that class. They're not teaching you about right, that. Right. right. We're basically we're thrown into life. And no one ever says, you know, the main thing you're going to really want are some friends and <laughs> yeah. and someone to love and care about you. Right. You, you well,
2: know. it's funny because when we were, you know, preparing for today, the toppings, the, the image I just remember in my head a lot. Like I would usually hand, like once I could drive, the car was like it became my my safe spot. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. when I would feel a lot, I would often just, distra- especially when you know I, I went to college in Santa Cruz. Yeah. It's an amazing place. A lot of very scenic routes. Yeah. You know, so I would just drive down. Highway One. Sometimes just like park and just stare at the ocean, you know, and just like yeah. there's so much going on, and it's like freaking me Listening out. And so I just Pearl needed Jam. to like literally like just drive away. Yeah, I'd listen to Pearl Jam and just. Well, and see, and there's there's a
0: degree know. of intimacy in those things. Yeah, there's a there's a there's I think there's a I, I believe our soul, hungers for it. Mm, that's what yeah. that I actually think all Christian evangelism is fundamentally an effort to help people find intimacy. Mm-hmm. That's my that's mm-hmm. my theory anyway. And, you know, I'm, I I don't try to stay in the theological realm a lot and go parse out words and all that, which I respect people who do that, like to do that and can do it really well. But at the end of the day, I, I'm i more into how do you live. Right. Because that, I have enough trouble living <laughs> than to start analyzing, you know, various words, which some people really are, like I said, they're phenomenal at it. but. This area, I think, is where we get saved, and that that's what salvation really is. Right. Saved from loneliness. And I think I was too proud when I was young to admit I was lonely, but mm. I was. I think right. what you're talking about is I'm lonely, so how can yes. I get the most intimacy I can get? Right. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm with you, man. Put a little earth, wind, and fire <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> on. You know, I'm, I'm older than you, but you put a little earth, wind, and fire on, or the emotions, thing, and I'm. Yeah. I'm I'm all worked up and feeling right. good. When I got <laughs> to college, true, put yeah. a little Elvis Costello on and singing his tunes, and I'm like, oh, okay. And I think a lot of us find intimacy in solitude, aloneness, yeah. where we have our thoughts and we're kind of intimate with ourself right. because we're afraid to seek intimacy with anybody else. Yeah. And I think there's so right. much more to life. And I think guilt is a thing that jumps in there and keeps us from finding intimacy. Right, right. It's a thing that tells you, Girls aren't going to want to talk to you. I felt the same. Yeah, right. I used to go out and drive, too, but it was in Michigan. Not not as nice. Not as nice.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I was just relating with what you were sharing about. Uh, That scripture was really helpful, too, about the constant reminders of our failures, because as I was reading it, well, it was funny, because I read it yesterday and was like, I don't think I'm that guilty, actually. But then as I started reading it again today, I was like, wait, okay. Like I mistake my anxiety and all the, I have a lot of negative self-talk yeah. um, hmm. when I do something wrong, right. but I never associate that with guilt. I just, I, I don't know what I thought. Maybe it was a psychological condition <laughs> or something, <laughs> but I never associate, but today I just, cause really. I was like, and then the scripture said it perfectly. I was like, oh, that's actually just me being guilty. But then it pushes me away from people because I start telling myself, you're no good. I can't believe you did that. Like, why'd you do that? What's wrong with you? And then I want to like perform more, you know, okay, I just got to do better right. or I got to hide or I got to run faster or even I was making a little, you know, like kind of web chart this morning of, of guilt. And it was funny cause it was hard to think of when I, when I just tried to think of sins, but when I listed my relationships, it was a lot easier to think about all the different things that I was guilty about um, because of what feelings came up when I, oh man, this person. I didn't call them back and I should have, oh man, this person, I didn't do this. But then I realized I want to run from those relationships because I don't want the guilt to be exposed or to have to deal with what's going on in the relationship.
0: So I guess I was seeing how how it related with the lack Why do you think um, um, you have, know, and we're here on Deep Spirituality, we're just kind of really doing a brainstorming session about how to put together our articles and try to make them more helpful for you. And at the same time, we're trying to work out our own issues, uh, and, and, and maybe as you're listening, you can relate to what we're talking about, and you'll work out some of yours. We're not trying to tell you we have all the answers today. That wasn't even our goal. Our goal today was to have a conversation, and uh, so you don't need to sit there and ask yourself the question, oh, are they right about that? We're not trying to be right about it. We're trying to figure out how do you live Christianity in an applied way, not how do you live it theoretically, not how do, you, how, how, do, how do we become really smart about it. Not how do we put together great articles. but We're ultimately trying to figure out how do you live this life. Because there's a lot going on in the world today. You mm-hmm. know, you got uh, the impeachment politically. You got a global pandemic with uh, coronavirus. You have uh, um, uh, the death of uh, the nine folks in the helicopter that uh, were head yeah. families. And just the general tragedy of that. And the reminder to all of us of our mortality and the temporary, temporariness of life. Um, there's just a lot that's gone on and that's just one week. <laughs> that's just a Sheesh. week. Yeah. And I think in the midst of life, I know for me, I feel like it goes fast. Sometimes I look up and I'm like, Hey, how did we get to February? You know, mm-hmm. where did January just mm-hmm. go? I thought I just got done. thought I just got done taking out a Christmas tree. How did I get <laughs> here? Mm-hmm. And I think life moves really fast sometimes, mm-hmm. especially when there are a lot of events going on. One of the questions I have for you, Rhett, and like I yeah. said, I'm here with Rhett and, uh, uh Snell, uh, Nathan Shafinoff, uh, Mike and Amy Query is when you're feeling all those feelings, do you talk to people or do you tend to not talk to people and why?
3: I think I, I usually don't talk. Um, I've been trying to talk more recently, t- texting my friends every day, kind of, hey, here's what I learned this morning. Um, but I think I don't talk because I tell myself, oh, I need to go work this out with God, not people. I shouldn't talk to people about it. Right. It's just something I need to work out or I'm being insecure or yeah. anxious. And so... I need to go figure it out, Yeah, you know, until I, so when
0: you have all those thoughts that you weren't sure if they were guilt, but you think they're guilt now, which ever is yeah, true yeah, is fine with me. Yeah. In the middle of, of all that thinking, do you talk to God about it? Not usually. No, Oh, you don't. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you're, I tell you're... myself
3: that's what I need to do, but then I think I end up just, okay, let me go do something else. I just need to act like I need to go do, do something. something.
0: See, I think that's one of the ways. And and, and, and Amy, you're going to have to guide us through the article, you and Mike, maybe. So we don't forget to share some of the great scriptures that are in this article and some of the great points that can apply as we go through. Mike and you can guide us. But see, I think that's one of the ways we deal with guilt. We, 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 we run. Yeah, right. You know, and, and we get busy. Uh, my thing in high school is basketball. I was like, man, put me on a court. I can forget about all the things I feel. Yeah. Because you know, you get on basketball court, you're playing basketball. It's a fast game. It's a hard game. You're competing, and so you don't have to think about who's going to reject me, who's going to like me, and that goes on in life. What well, you were talking about, Mike. You know, mm-hmm. I remember going driving around. It was a little colder where I was, <laughs> um, but in college as well. Just in, after college, just going for a drive because it's like I don't know if you can relate to this, or you guys, you can relate to this, right? Yeah. Life just becomes, Felt so emotionally overwhelmed, Mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, Christianity, because I came out of the world, I didn't go to church at all. I had no interest in church. I was thinking about the other day. I just didn't even understand why they had church. And so when I became a part of one, it was overwhelming. It was already overwhelming to live life. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now I have this whole new set of things I right. should be doing. Right. Right. New, new set of guilt. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to be honest. I'm not sure I felt much guilt before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You got laughs> right. I think my guilt, well, my guilt barometer was pretty low. But, uh, but yeah, more burden. Yeah, and so a lot of times I was just like, "Oh man, I haven't done that. You're supposed to do that." And every time I heard a sermon, it was like, oh, it's more junk I haven't done," and then you just give up.
1: It's like, right. I, yeah, I don't know if I could even. Mm-hmm. I did. I can't.
0: It was like I don't even know if I could do this. Like, how could church supposed to be this hard, this yeah. difficult? Because mm-hmm. like, there's a whole long list of sins and. I was like, man, half of these things were the things I thought were fun, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and now right. they're wrong. Right. So I relieve stress doing those things. Right. right. So now you take my stress right. relievers away. Yeah. I'm more stressed yeah. with God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that happened, mm-hmm. and so I remember just being riddled, and I didn't learn to talk to God about any of my feelings. Yeah. I learned to confess uh, sin. Right. Yeah. So I would go and I would pray and be like, "Okay, God, here's what I've done wrong." And I would just go down. What what we could say? Well, I I was just making. When you're talking about like uh,
2: not knowing what to do with everything, I I just sometimes I don't know how. I I didn't really learn how to replace, you know, my those outlets. Right. You know. So I think even in being a Christian and being in church for a long time, like you don't. It's easy to. Do a lot without actually learning how to, you know, have a time where you talk with God, and it kind of comes out, and you walk away more at peace, and then know how to talk to people, you know. So, yeah. I, so I end up all—I I never replaced the the car rides, right? So, like even after college, I would still, I would just go sit in the car alone. So then I get married, and but it's still in my DNA. To and like, Amy I has to like, go on the drive. And yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah, and then you <laughs> like, "Quiet, to Santa we're Cruz. <laughs>
0: it's <laughs> <laughs> not how this works. Then <laughs> you bring your daughter along; she's like 18 years old. And you're like. Be quiet! We're staring.
3: Right. <laughs> that's, that's
2: not how this goes. So I, I don't know. I guess I just say that to say like I it's uh, the replacing part was was really big. I, I don't always have um, take seriously like how much like I should be working on how I pray, how I
0: talk, you know, how I yeah. And I see. Um, I, and I think part of it is, and are you, I think are you going to jump in here? Well,
4: I just I had a di- I think think to what Brett was saying, but I had a little different slant on on it. A lot of times, I feel like I got to compensate for my guilt. Like, I feel guilty about something, uh-huh. and then I got to do, like, not actually three more things, yeah. you know, to, like, make it right, but I'm like, yeah. okay, I got to get, like, organized and, like, make do, you know, just kind of compensate for the things that I feel bad at and, like, uh to kind of show that, convince myself maybe that I'm a good, still a good person
0: or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because you know? of our natural inclination to feel like we have to pay a price for something we've done wrong.
4: Yeah, or, like, yeah, balance, balancing the scales. That was, like, the thing that I kind of had in my mind is, like, I feel like I gotta keep the scales balanced or, or you know, I don't know, maybe that's like super religious. I grew up going to church my whole life, so there's like very much this like I gotta compensate for the things I feel guilty at but are guilty about, but then also I can just keep things shallow, you know. That's how I kind of deal with my guilt. Just like put it in the closet, close the door, and ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> and then like uh, or sweep it sweep it under the rug.
0: Well, you know, um, there's some religions who have a term for that. It's called penance. And penance is where you pay for it. There's a great movie. You may not like it, it's old. Uh, from the 80s, but it's called The Mission. <clears throat> and it's got Robert De Niro and I forget the other guy. He's a great Jeremy. Jeremy, I can't remember his last name. But um, you can put it in the show notes so people want to look it up. But in the movie, Robert De Niro is essentially a pretty rough customer, a pagan type guy. Like I related to him a lot. Like,
4: like most of his movie characters. <laughs> <laughs> I love Robert De Niro. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. not a
0: pagan guy in the intern it's true I said, that's why i said most i picked the one i picked the one, <laughs> the one. I, picked the one. Like, I did that yeah i love to argue no um but yeah he's he's like the the rough customer and he becomes a christian or something and then then there's there's this 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 backstory of penance that these guys do and it's just horrid you know mm-hmm. same thing happens in that tom hanks movie about um you know italy and all that where they go the da vinci code the da vinci code there's Uh, that one the one priest that's just whipping himself that's penance it's like i'm doing something to myself to make up for my bad Mm -hmm. and i Mm -hmm. think that fundamentally what's Mm -hmm. built into a lot of us i don't know if this is human like a human emotional thing where our guilt makes us feel like we have to do something to make up for it i think it might be Mm. That's why Jesus had died on the cross, right? Mm-hmm. Because what God is giving us is something so we can look and say, you don't have to beat yourself for your failure. That's been done. Mm-hmm. So focus on growing and focus on becoming. Don't always beat yourself. And it's, that's why I think in the New Testament, they preached the cross so much. It was a way to tell people you don't have to self-punish. Hmm. You, you, you don't have to do that. that. That price has been paid. You're free to focus on growing. Yeah. And I get that message, it's so hard to get out because of I think our nature is to make a rule, like yeah. you said, replace, right? Right, yeah. Why do you have to replace a drive to go look someplace? That's good. It's fine to do that. But what it is, is the rules in our head say, you shouldn't be out by yourself staring mm. out, you know, because it's wrong. Mm. Now, obviously, if you're leaving Amy and the kids at home. <laughs> she's she's like, like, when are you coming home? <laughs> you're like, still, still on my way. Said <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Stop interrupting. I'm staring. Just 10 more I'm minutes. Ten more minutes. <sighs> but what I think it really is, is that's your soul mm. longing to pray. Hmm, but there's right. something in the way of you praying, hmm. right? Hmm. But what you're really and so I think a lot like when I became a Christian, one of the I used to love to dance. I mean, that was my big thing, you know. And I I played basketball and I used to love dancing. It's just in our family. We danced a lot to music, you know. And it was, I, I'm older again and got American Bandstand, Soul Train. There's some people out there still alive that will recognize. <laughs> that. Um, but but I remember I was studying and I was like, you can't dance. That you, it's. And, and so you got to you know stop. That's all I heard. You guys, so, so I had to stop dancing. was like one of my favorite things to do was to go to school, you know, college, I was in college, go to the dances and dance, you know, it was just, and it was the disco era, and everybody's laughing yeah. now because, but that was like what you did, right? And I'd be dancing in my dorm room, dancing everywhere, dance, you know, it was just fun, listening to music all the time. So we, you know, that was a stress reliever, and it was taken away. Well, Why? There's actually nothing in the Bible that you can dance, but it was a rule that was created. Why? Because usually where there was dancing there was a lot of alcohol there was a lot of uh, uh unfaithfulness so what happened is yeah. come on footloose Some, huh footloose <laughs> you come from the town that footloose is based off of right <laughs> i might yeah i actually might yeah <laughs> i don't know what town it is uh, but somewhere in indiana or something <laughs> yeah it's close i'm close you're right you've been to my don't yeah. even say it you you've been to my hometown yeah. you know the deal uh i come from a great town but yeah and so, now they, they never, I never learned that, but I think what happened is someone created a rule because they didn't want people to go out drinking and doing all this stuff. So instead of just going, uh, you know, you shouldn't get drunk, it became, well, if you go to a dance, you might get Don't go to a concert, you might smoke weed. Don't, you know, don't go drive and look out at the ocean. You might, I don't know what, I don't know what you might not come back. (laughs) 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 You might not go back. Like, and I think what happens is we, as people, because we don't know how to deal with guilt, yeah, we start creating rules to prevent ourselves from ever having guilt. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I
1: think there's this, a great scripture in this study, Psalm 38, 4, it says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a load. It weighs me down. And I was thinking about that, how overwhelming guilt can be, and you just don't want to feel it. So you'll find these ways, you know, like the rule. So then if there's a rule, that says, don't do something. Well, now I'm not going to do it because I don't want to feel guilty. I broke the rules, so oh, like, yeah. you know, or, um, or deny it. Like I thought, man, I have a big ability to deny that I even feel guilty because yeah, yeah. it's so overwhelming that I can just go, no, 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 that wasn't bad, it wasn't that bad? I didn't mean to do that, I, you know. And I have all these, wa- I have all these tactics yeah. to avoid guilt versus learning how to actually deal with it, you know. One, well, you- it's really
0: cool how you, you know you, you 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 put this together, taking it from uh, uh, various studies that have been done. The Bible says that guilt is an overwhelming and heavy load. That means the symptoms of guilt in my life will be. I like this phrase, "symptoms of guilt," right? Mm-hmm. Because what it means is, you, you know, right now we have to all make sure we wash our hands and. And, and be very hygienically wise so the flu doesn't get passed around and be smart about that kind of stuff. But what do we do? We know the symptoms of the flu. So if you start getting congestion, if you start feeling fatigue, if you start, we go, oh, I need to be careful. Maybe I gotta get rest, take some uh, medicine, take some supplements because I don't wanna catch it. Right. But we don't have symptoms of guilt. So that's why, right you can be sitting there going, what am I feeling? Because you don't have a good list of symptoms of guilt and I think we just named a few symptoms of guilt that are, in addition, number one on, uh, in the article, which I would encourage you to read it. We're going to probably restructure it a little bit. Is feeling overwhelmed, overly stressed, anxious, and emotional. Oh, boy. I know. Oh, boy. Isn't
4: that just the state of being? Like, yeah. <laughs> a <exactly>. life, right?
0: <laughs> it's the state of being for those who are in denial of their guilt. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> feeling weighed down. See, it's not just one. It's feeling weighed down, burdened and heavy hearted. See, that, that's the key. What the Bible is saying and what's written here and what the studies that have been done are proving is that when you get to the level of being emotionally overwhelmed, that isn't normal. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you got to look at your workload. Am I overscheduling? You got to look at your insecurity. Am I overthinking? But you also have to look at your guilt. Now, I, I, I always break down guilt into three areas, right? Residual guilt, something that happened in the past that you just can't let go of or someone won't let you be free of. Truer, real guilt. You did something wrong and it is wrong and you gotta make that right. I'm not saying you gotta go do penance. I'm saying you've gotta relieve that and deal with that. You gotta talk to God and the people and get that off your back. But then there's false guilt. So false guilt would be back in the 80s when I became a Christian. If I went out and danced, I would have felt guilty. Mm-hmm. If I had mm. gone to a dance and there'd been no alcohol, no—I I don't know what they were afraid I was going to do. I actually didn't do any of those things when I was dancing, you know. because You're going to cut loose. That's what they're yeah. afraid of. <laughs> So—or or like Mike said, not come back. Yeah, exactly. I think that's right. That's probably what it was all about is that, oh, we don't want him to go there. He may end up not wanting to be a Christian anymore, which I think that's probably good. That was good idea. That was good. pretty accurate. But they, <laughs> they probably should have said to me, you know, the problem is— if you go do all this stuff, you're not going to want to be a Christian anymore. So you got to think that through. Instead, it was like, you can't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. That's all I remember. Mm-hmm. They may have even said all that. But all I heard was, you can't do that. And before you know it, I remember uh, I, I didn't go to R-rated movies for that reason. oh, you shouldn't go to R-rated movies. There'd be too much temptation in them. All right? I get it. I get it. But I'm saying it was a rule. Mm, right? Right? There wasn't any understanding. And I bet people do that to this day. Don't go. Now, I'm certainly going to help my kid understand. I don't think that you're ready for that movie. I don't think that'd be a good movie to see. But as far as making a rule, if it's got this by it or that by it and someone's an adult, I don't know. It gets tricky when there's no explanation. Sure, right. So I talked to my kids about one movie that's out. I was like, you know, it's very, I guess it's popular. I was like, oh, I don't think you got to be seeing that movie. Here's why. I won't see that movie. Here's why I'm not going to see that movie. Here's the things that I don't think are good. Here's the things I think it'll glorify. Here's the things I don't think you can process at your age yet. Mm -hmm. And until you can process these things, you won't know how to process that movie. Now, at the end of the day, is it a rule? I don't think it is. For me, it's not like I'm against, I actually like the actor. And um, I actually think it's it's probably a very creative movie, but I just go, I don't know. But if there's no explanation Mm. and no conversation, then there's no um th- then there's a rule so if there's nothing relational, no information, no explanation it's just a rule and I think many of us have false guilt over rules hmm and then what we do is we perpetuate more rules so if Nathan comes to me and going, "I don't know, I've been thinking when I go to these kind of movies, I get angry don't go see them anymore when I get on the internet, I gamble don't own a computer anymore hmm. I think we do that because we don't want to have the conversation about right. well, what's driving you to lose two thousand dollars a month gambling. I don't want to have that conversation. That's too hard. Just don't own a computer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And so I think the way we deal with yeah. guilt is we're not we don't want to have any relational mm. dealing right. with mm. guilt. We just want to set a rule. And what if I say at the beginning that I believe guilt is the enemy of intimacy? Right. we don't I, yeah.
4: I cannot want to talk about even in those examples right I'm like I'm more so identify. I, I don't want to deal with my own guilt to have a conversation with somebody about like why they feel guilty about an anger movie <laughs> or like gambling whatever it's like because if someone brings up guilt like and you got to sift through it with them and like get to the more intimate parts. Yeah, You also have to do that for yourself. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Just like make a rule. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's not my struggle. I'm not a gambler, so sucks for you, but don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: like, when, when, when we ought to be able to have the conversation of, hey man, I understand, your deal's gambling, my deal is selling stuff on right. eBay. Or, right, 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 I don't even yeah, know what yeah. it is. Uh-huh. And I, I just, I, I feel a lot of relief. And someone out there be going, well I don't know the gambling's wrong. I, I'm not trying to talk to you about what's wrong and what's right. I'm trying to talk to you about, we have three feelings we can have that uh-huh. all make us feel guilty. Past, residual, present, real, and true, or false. And so part of it is when you get some understanding of what are my symptoms, you can start to figure out. I got to identify what kind of guilt this is. So when you were talking, Rhett, yeah, and I have a similar mind about all that negative stuff. Yeah, you have to know what are my symptoms. Well, yeah, you said one of your symptoms. Uh, I think you said it. I want to avoid it. I want to run and go do something. Right. So one way you know you're feeling guilty is your hyperkinetic speed. Oh. Uh, yeah. you never <laughs> slow down. Always uh, moving. Right. Always moving. Always on the go. Uh,
4: always on the go. Schedules always packed uh don't have time for people. Yes.
0: That kind of stuff. I that, I identify with that. <laughs> we got we got to get that one in the article, man. Mm-hmm. We got to get that in the article cuz I think I think getting a good sense of the symptoms
1: yeah could mm-hmm.
0: help everybody. And here's the deal. You don't have to crush yourself. I think the natural Christian religious instinct is I'm guilty. I should die. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean literally. It's so true, it's so negative. Yeah, Yeah. right, (laughs) I I mean I remember one time in my life I was a leader, uh, not a major leader, but I was leading and I was confessing all these things that were wrong that I've been doing and I was like, it's okay if you take me out of being a leader. I wanted to go straight to the death sentence. Mm -hmm. There's something inside of us that until we've been punished appropriately, we don't feel we're free and that's the disconnection from the cross. Mm. The punishment has already been dealt out in the most severe way possible. Jesus died. So what we're supposed to do when we feel really guilty is go, this is exactly why he died. This is why it's so inspiring that he suffered. Because in one shot, he suffered for everything all of us would do. So that we wouldn't walk around going, I need to flail myself. Now, it's easier said than believed, but right. it's true. Um, and I think that's what uh, like the book of Colossians, a bunch of others are about. And so, I, go well, ahead.
4: I was thinking... There's something, too, of what you're talking about and even what I was saying earlier about the penance stuff. There's something in, like, I can re- I can resolve my guilt by paying for it, you know, and it's so much more of a focus on myself than, like, on God. Oh, boy. Yeah. It made me think of the Psalm, mm. 50, one. Psalm 51, 9 through 10 says, Turn your face from my sins and wipe out all my guilt. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and make my spirit right again. And that idea that God is the one who actually wipes out your guilt. God is the one who changes your heart. It's like I, I don't know. It's it's totally out of our hands, but we try to. I can try to take control and try yeah, to resolve re- resolve my own guilt, you know, yeah, right. with my own mm-hmm. efforts. One hundred, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's there's this thing about like being focused on yourself or being focused on God.
0: Well, and I think I think understanding if if because that's a point in here. Um, one of the the first point really is God wipes out guilt, and I actually wrote a question down uh, about that. Um, what, what does that mean? And I I just put a little note for myself. That means God wipes out the wall and the shield. So that sense of distancing we do with God mm. we put up a wall. You were kind of talking about it, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you kind of you, you're you're trying to get away from it. You're right, trying to put yeah. some distance right. between you and it. And so when God wipes out guilt, the result should be that we feel comfortable being close again. Mm. Right. And I think a lot of the problem in life is people don't feel close. I think the all these shooters that go out and create havoc and and end lives needlessly. I think these people are people who have, for whatever reasons, they've their walls up around, their shields up around, they feel alone, they don't feel close. And once you don't feel close to people, eventually you will dehumanize them. Hmm. I'm no psychologist, so I can't tell you whether people have emotional health problems or not. But I can tell you this, if you get isolated and you're not around people, they no longer are real to you then suddenly the distance allows you to feel comfortable. I mean, that's how that's the history of the world, right? It's easier to kill, destroy, and maim when you don't see someone as human. So whether you're talking about slavery in America, you're talking about the Holocaust, whatever you're talking about, people dehumanize, and once you dehumanize, it's easier to destroy. And so that's why it's a terrible thing in the world when people feel lonely and have walls up and shields up because they never feel intimacy. To, what is I, I you can look it up one of you guys can look it up but it says what does a man desire but unfailing love from you know I think people want to be loved and when they're not loved they I'm sorry I think all of us people want to be loved and when we're not loved I think we become dangerous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I was that way mm-hmm. I wasn't
0: you know obviously shooting people and stuff but I was dangerous I was inconsiderate insensitive mean uh, uh uh condescending uh judgmental not that I don't have that in my nature now but I mean that was my way of life I was like, if you don't measure up, I'm going to look down on you. I'm going to make fun of you. And it's all because I've got a shield up to protect myself and I've got walls up. I'm not even aware people are human and and uh-huh. unless I feel like they're in my clique, if that makes sense. And so I love what you're bringing up here because in order to not put up shields and walls, we need God to wipe our guilt out. Like mm. the, the phrase wipe out, what does that mean to you guys? It's
1: just like it's gone completely. I just, I don't know. That's just really a... Uh it's like relieving. I guess that's the feeling that comes comes into my mind. It's just it's gone. It's erased. Like cleared out. You, know? you ever
4: seen those those videos of like when a hurricane comes in on the shore and it like and there's like trees and huts or whatever and like the water <laughs> comes through and those things are all gone. It's just gone. That's what I think. Like everything's just gone. Like that's what I think of when wipeout is the hurricane video. coming through. I don't know. I'm a visual thinker, so I think of those images. Kind of just a complete fresh. Completely. I think
0: I think of of I'm I'm, I'm like I guess that I'm much older than these guys, but when I was a kid, they actually had uh, gas station attendants still for a little while. Mm. Self serve stations were just coming into being, so you had guys who actually came out and filled up your car. I mean, I was a little five or something. They came out, filled up your car, and one of the things they did was they washed your windshield. Mm. One of my favorite things to do whether in a car wash or the gas station was to sit there and watch a guy wash a windshield. I don't know why. I just love it. I used to, I used to love watching this dirty thing. Yeah. Become totally satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I just love, I used to love, I used to almost look forward to it. My dad pulled into the gas station. I'd be like, Oh man, I'm going to clean the windows. And I'd look at the front. Then I'd look through the rear view mirror to see him do it in the back. And I'd be like, that is so cool. And I think that is to some degree for me emotionally what it means. It's like a whole new beginning. Hmm. And I think it's sad that so many of us stay quiet, don't talk rather than pursue the wiping out. And I think part of the reason we don't pursue the wiping out is we don't believe it because we don't wipe things out for other people. Right. Oh, right. Mm. So if I won't forgive other people and wipe it out, then I'm not going to believe God's going to wipe it out. At least Mm. that's what I think. Mm. Right. Right.
2: Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean back to what, like Nate said, even about, um, thinking like we need to do it, like just kind of a, a lack of belief. Like that's is going to be like that God will wipe away. Oh, like it, yeah. right, Like it's like, yeah. eh, nice idea, right? But like end of the day, you know. <laughs> 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 he's you know reaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so, so that's, it's, and so the less you do it, it kind of perpetuates it, right? Because you kind of just sit in your, your guilt. I like less. that. That's, that's how I, I can be. relate to that. Yeah, yeah.
0: At the end of the day, I don't know that he's really going to do that. Right, right. Or he may bring it back up. Yeah, or like, is it really wiped away? You know, yeah. or is it stored away? Yeah,
2: Am I going like to get later? a big
0: surprise at the end? Right. Where they're going to bring out all the evidence and say, right. well, we, we did wipe it away for that day, <laughs> but you kept doing it. So we just decided to keep a, a, a right, list. right,
2: Well, then in relationships, but, you know, I can be that way. Hold, hold stuff, like, we'll hold stuff against each other, Amy and I, or, or yeah. like, not forgive or take things, pr- you know, and, and not practice kind of what God's trying to do for us, right? Yeah. So I think that in turn, those you know distorts our view of God, and so I kind of just sort of this loops. Yeah, know, I can't yeah. get out of it.
0: I, you know, looking at the the article, which number one is God wipes out guilt. Turn your face from my sins and wipe out all my guilt. Created me a pure heart, God, and make my spirit right again. I think that's such an interesting use. It's a New Century translation because he says, "And make my spirit right again." It's almost as if when you lose that translation, there's something it's like going to a chiropractor, right? There's something almost like where your whole spiritual self gets reset Mm. and realigned. Mm. And that if you just let guilt go, it's like letting a wrenched arm or wrist or elbow or hip go. You know how if you twist your knee, you just let Mm. it go. It's gonna just swell up and get worse. Mm -hmm. And you need to get that thing fixed. And I think sometimes I wonder, Rhett, I wonder if yeah. people are walking around injured. You know how it says in uh, Hebrews, is it Hebrews 11 or 12? I think it's 12, where he says, uh, 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 you know, strengthen your lame uh, limbs, you know, so that you can walk. I wonder some of that is a little bit about, I'm going to look that up, a little yeah. bit about dealing with guilt. I wonder how many of us are impaired every day mm. by our Thanks. guilt because it's, it's our wrenched knee that we don't go to the, you know, doctor for and say, hey, you know, I've wrenched my knee. Can you help me with this? But well, we keep, you know, it's like we try to repair it ourselves
3: Yeah, or, well, even this, this scripture here, Psalm 32, two to three on the, on the screen says, happy is the person whom the Lord does not consider guilty and in whom there is nothing false. When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long. Day and night you punished me. My strength was gone as in the summer heat. But I think that's kind of the, what you're talking about. So many of us walk around like that every day. Like I'm someone who uh, crumbles a lot under uh, not a lot of pressure, it feels like, from, uh, you know, I just had a conversation with my family on Monday night about things that were going on, and I felt like I just wanted to collapse. Like I couldn't do anything else, you know, but but I don't realize it's... This scripture helps me think like, oh, it's because there's so much I'm carrying around just on a consistent basis that when anything gets added to my plate it's easy to just collapse but i it made me think of the wipeout scripture that you talked about too because when we're after it's wiped out right then the scripture says also happy is the person like happiness comes to yes. refreshment comes so this was uh, like stood out to me as like another symptom too, when I'm unhappy, okay, there's something there, yeah. you know, that's yeah. another symptom of, of guilt that's going on because I've been pretty unhappy the last like few weeks and yeah. I was, but I never was like, Oh, you're probably guilty. There's yeah. things that you need yeah. to figure out <laughs> and pray to God about. Right. So I spent some time this morning kind of trying to work through that of like, yeah. Oh, okay. Until I, uh, you know wipe it out that I'm not going to be happy.
0: Yeah. You know, it's a funny thing because I think, I don't know if it's in the article or someone talked to me about a study they did but they talked about like event confession. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Is, that it? Uh-huh. is that in the article?
1: I don't, I don't know. Maybe but not. I don't think so. It's an interesting phrase yeah. because
0: I think a lot of times what happens you is didn't. that what you're talking about is we store it up.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Get all worked up mm-hmm. and then we sit down with somebody and go, here's all the stuff I feel guilty about. And mind you, I think most of the time when we talk about our guilt, 33% of it is true. 33% of it is residual. 36% of it is totally false. Like I can guarantee you all, all five of us probably have a third of our guilt is for things we shouldn't even feel guilty about. It's some rule that we made up, somebody made up. That we implied that someone thought, even <laughs> yeah. though we never asked them <laughs> right, you know then there's the, the the residual, something we did when we were ten, twelve, fifteen, mm. nineteen thirty two whatever it was that we go, oh man, I shouldn't have run that traffic light or I never ended up paying that bill, or mm-hmm. you know whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. or I should have said these words to that person at that moment, you know, I was at the the wedding or I was at the funeral or I forgot to bring or my gift wasn't as good as the other people's gifts. Yeah. I got them a cheap gift. Now I feel terrible. I mean, we should, but we feel guilty for those. That's all false guilt. Yeah. It's somebody's opinion, right? But it's false guilt. And and then there's the true and real guilt. But if we could ever drill down and go, hmm. okay, what do I, yeah. what I, what do I, what should I really feel guilty about? I think it would be far less than most human beings think. Hmm. Hmm it could be far less but probably far more serious (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah this is way more serious than any of that so just deal with that but i think we mess each other up because we all come to the table with our rules our preconceptions and our religiosity our sense of 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 acting and being religious i want to read the scripture and then we're gonna we're gonna kind of kind of kind of kind of wrap it up um and point people to the article and then we're gonna work on some uh some some um, sort of restructuring of the article to make it even better for you in the next uh, five to seven days. Uh, in Hebrews 12, in verse 11, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. So when we see the word discipline, most of us automatically think of, at least I do, getting punished, not being trained. And you know, you, you can go back and look at the NIRV and it'll use, actually use the word train But I think what's funny is the word discipline, for many many years, and still to some day, some to some extent today, is used for what you study in college. What's going to be your discipline? Mm. Is it going to? It's your major. And so discipline, we've turned that word into. I don't know if it was Doctor Spock in the '60s who wrote all those books about childcare. I have no idea what he wrote. I never read his books. Don't want to really read his book. But I think there's something that happened where discipline became punishment. Right. And I I. I'm hunt my hunch and I'm not willing to do the research on this cuz I don't care. My hunch is it came from religiosity, from a sense of being religious hmm. and 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 saying you've got to discipline your child. And discipline your child became punish your child. And that then becomes when we read the word discipline, God is punishing us not teaching us. But if you look at college and, and education, discipline was usually the way it was used if you think about today a lot of athletes a lot of stars entertainers will use the word my craft right that's yeah. another word for discipline hmm. this is my discipline this is the thing i'm trying to be great at cool. so when it says no discipline is pleasant it means anything you try to be really good at
1: uh, anything right. you try
0: to master hmm. there's going to be some pain involved hmm. no pain no gain right, right? right. there's going to be some pain involved and then look what it says in verse 12 Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. I think one of the things that makes us lame is guilt. Hmm. It makes us walk around hobbled in relationships, hobbled in our confidence, hobbled in our sense of intimacy. And so we end up with a lot of people who have the tremendous power of God working in their life, unable to see it manifested because of guilt. Hmm. And so we've got, you know, a number of, of tips in this article And I don't know, uh, maybe Amy or Mike, you can point out others that people should take a look at. Number one was God wipes out guilt. Number two, our relationship with God gives us joy and willingness. Number three, our relationship with God gives us purpose. Um, and, uh, and then that has a, a a number of, of really cool things in it. I like the things it says about our relationship with God brings freedom from guilt. That's a tremendous one. Our relationship with God replaces guilt with gladness. I like that. that's in there. Uh, And here's what I really like. And I want to talk about you. You write this part in here in this study. I will relate. It's on page four at the bottom. I'll read. uh, I think we read the scripture. I'll read it again. Psalm 51, eight through 10 and verse 12. Let me hear you say your sins are forgiven. That will bring me joy and gladness. Let the body you have broken. Be glad. Take away all my sins. Wipe away all the evil things I've done. God, Create a pure heart in me. Give me a new spirit that is faithful to you. Give me back the joy that comes from being saved by you. Give me a spirit that obeys you so that I will keep going. I like that, so that I will keep going. Our relationship with God frees us from guilt, creates a new pure heart in us, gives us joy and gives purpose. Are you grateful and joyful about your salvation and your relationship with God? This is the part I love right here. Learn to have relaxed, honest conversations with others. Speaking honestly is a sign of true friendship. Proverbs twenty four twenty six in the Passion Translation, TPT. Honest conversations are an important part of spiritual friendships. When we are honest with God about our guilt, we will be able to have relaxed, honest conversations with other people too. Do your relations with God overflow into calm, honest conversations with others? Or do you tend to be... Nervous, hidden, self righteous, or overly reactionary? Guilty, guilty, guilty. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you overreact to sin like it's an enormous scandal? Ooh, ooh, ooh Nathan. Scandal, man. <laughs> scandal. Do you overreact to sin like it's an enormous scandal or do you humbly turn to God for forgiveness and help your friends do the same? There's a television show called Scandal, I think, for a while. I think maybe off TV now. I don't know. Kerry Washington was the person on it. Scandal. I love this part. How about it? Do you guys think that there are a lot of relationships are broken down and messed up and unable to be relaxed because of this lack of relaxed conversation and scandal mindset? What do you think?
1: I think so. I definitely think so. I'm like that. I mean, I I think I spend so much time trying not to feel guilty that when I finally admit... I am guilty. It's like this huge, oh my gosh, I was jealous. You know, and it's like so <laughs> over, <laughs> overblown, you know, like, wow, you know, like that's, it's really not that big of a deal. And so then, I mean, even Mike and I experienced that in our marriage, even where we can be like, oh, you're, you're, you're guilty. You know, it's just this whole, it's not relaxed, honest. And you both you know, set um, each other up. You, off,
0: you yeah. both kind of became Christians in your teen years, yes, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So your brain yeah. is <laughs> oh, really. Yeah. Right. you know, I will have dreams from when I was younger in the church stress dreams like that they're like they're like stress dreams it's it's always like and i'll never know what i did but all i know is oh but it was bad yeah, yeah. yeah it was scandalous oh, you're gonna have to go and talk to this and i'm and i wake up I'm like oh my god you know and, and it's and you know i haven't murdered anybody or done anything but in the dream i'm like you oh my something. gosh you did and something i think that is partly we have to really work hard yeah to drive out that religious performance guilt-inducing environment that no one likes to admit to right right yeah right but when everybody shows up unopened it's basically saying we're going to have a pretend environment and i know for people like me that are pagans that come into the church it's crushing Mm -hmm. because you look around and you go man Mm -hmm. these people are good (laughs) i am totally evil because I, I wasn't going to church or nothing like that. And I always, like I said, I, I thought a lot of things that church said were bad were good. Yeah. Right. Like I was very selfishly ambitious, but I was also ambitious. But I just get, you know, slammed. And, you know, that's fine. I mean, well, I man. think it helped me.
2: Well, and the stuff you were talking earlier about trying to understand, you know, what, what's happening yeah. to you and stuff, that's absent a lot. And I think because I have this kind of, I mean, whether it's penance or whatever, like this thought of, like, I got to talk about this and I'm horrible. Uh, End up usually the goal ends up being, you know, it's out there, wait for reaction or wait for the judgment, (laughs) you know, and then if I survive this round, I'm good, you know, and and live to find another day. I walk around to know like nothing about, like, okay, why did I get so angry or why was I so, why was I bitter in the first place, you know, like there's no what happened. It's just like, oh, okay, live to sort of stress another day, you know, and yeah. and never never grow, I well, guess. A lot of mm. people want to go,
0: well, hey, we're all forgiven by the grace of God, so what does it matter? Just let it go. Well, that's true. We are all forgiven by the grace of God, but the letting it go part's pretty tough. Right. Like, have you ever tried letting go of something that you never talked about? I find it impossible. Yeah,
1: it comes back. It keeps coming back. It does. <laughs> yeah.
0: Years ago, I read an article, and I don't know if it's still accurate, but it said that that most people who experience some onset of mental or emotional health issues, it happens at midlife. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I read that, I was shocked that it's not like in childhood. And I think some of it is one, we all have a proclivity to certain kind of, you know, physiological or mental or emotional Mm -hmm. challenges. And so we are all going to fight something in our lifetime, probably multiple things if we live long enough. But the thing I think that's important is to know that whatever you bury will have an impact on you physiologically and will have an impact on you emotionally. You cannot bury anything unresolved that will not play a role in your life. And so I think that's why God encourages us one to seek and get forgiveness because whether people, Forgive you or not, if God forgives you, the load off of your heart and your head and your brain and your body is incredible. Number two, I think it's why he encourages us to forgive other people. Hmm, Because we have no idea what we're doing to other people Hmm. when we hold them hostage to the past. And it may be a hard thing to forgive, but you just have to remember, I just watched uh, um, the Mr. Rogers movie last night. Oh, for nice. the fr- won't you be him. my neighbor or won't you be my neighbor with my man tom hanks my boy my man tom denzel those are my boys we hang out in my <laughs> mind uh, <laughs> but uh the thing that really hit me was the bitterness of the reporter toward his father and that when he fully let it loose the father had a heart attack hmm. did you guys see the movie no, no. Oops, sorry. (laughs) Spoiler, dude. I thought everybody saw the movie. I'm usually the last person to see any movie.
4: I knew the movie hinges on the relationship between the reporter and the father. And like Mr. Rogers helps him work, kind of work it out.
0: Oh, it is. I did not watch Mr. Rogers. Didn't I, I think I turned the channel to it when I was a little kid once. And I was like, what is this? It's so boring, right? I sat there watching the movie going, I wish I'd watched this when I was a kid. Because it would have helped me emotionally to understand what in the world I was going through now my wife told me it's mostly for little little kids. I would have liked it at four or five. I didn't watch anything like that because he really helps kids understand emotion mm-hmm. and and work through it, and what he ends up doing is and it's based on a true story. he ends up working helping this guy work through his emotion, but it was incredible to see the grudge and the bitterness and the and the guy had a good reason for being bitter toward his father. I won't give that away um. But in this one scene, he, in this one moment, he, the, the 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 son, and he's midlife, middle age, the son packages his angst so powerfully, and the father had an underlying health condition. I didn't know it at that point in the movie; it wasn't known. He packages it so well, it's like this major blow, and then all of a sudden, everybody in the room goes, "Whoa, wait a minute!" And I was like, "What happened?" Because they don't show. They, they 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 move the camera away from the father to the son so you don't know what happened. And the next thing you know, they're in the hospital. And then while they're in the hospital, the son goes, I gotta go do my job. I gotta go do work. He doesn't even stay in the hospital with that dad. He's that Dang. bitter and that angry. Mm-hmm. And I went, that is a tremendous illustration of how our unwillingness to forgive can injure someone physiologically. Not just like, like we think being unforgiven is just like, well, I'm, I can't get over it. Yeah, well, the person who hmm. you're aiming it at hmm. might die from it. And when you start thinking wow. like that, you realize the power of guilt mm.
1: mm-hmm. and the
0: power of inducing guilt, of making someone feel right. guilty. It makes me convicted that I have to be much more thoughtful not only about making sure I forgive people, but making sure I don't drop rules on them, mm. right. which is really, really hard because sometimes I'm like, oh, we need to get this done. And so when you want to get something done, you create a rule. Mm-hmm. At least I do. I don't even know I'm doing it. All right, you got to do this. Well, I create a rule. Now, we all have to learn how to look at rules and go, okay, that's a rule, not a scripture. Right. You know, that's an idea. That's not God. So that we don't freak. Right. And I think that's why this article will be good to read. And maybe we can add some stuff to it. What would you guys just in closing? What would you guys add to it? Or what would you do? What would you want to insert into it a little bit more? I don't know if I have a another concept
2: to add, but that we do just throw some old, if you want to scan the old podcast episodes, looks like it was back. Check out the November twenty eighteen episodes. We have a series on, on guilt. So I okay. think I think we mm-hmm. uh, touched on some stuff there too that may complement this this that would be uh, discussion. Good. Mm-hmm. That'd be
1: good.
0: Anything else? I think, I think we think gotta it... make sure we have the symptoms. Yeah, because I, mean, I, mean, take... I think
1: there's more too. Like, I know I get edgy. Like I was thinking about that. I get angry yeah. when I'm guilty, yeah. and that's you know that's a big sign. Irritated, for me. irritated, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think even just the relational part, like mm-hmm. being intimate intimacy with like because I I mean I can forget that in marriage I forget that in my relationships that it's not just reporting. I think I've been religious right. a long time, so I think of dealing with guilt as like okay, you got to go report that. You know, like <laughs> it's like not like right. let's be close, talk talk, share my heart. You know, and, you know, and with I mean, God. If really, too.
0: if you really, if you don't, if you don't mind. Just tackling it and doing an overhaul, I would probably, I'm just gonna like, like give you some things. Like, like the symptoms would be one thing, but then the relational aspect. So, what I wrote down, what was I writing about when it says, number one, how to deal with guilt by turning to God? I think turning to God is a change of life, a change of heart. And so, I wrote down, ch- turning to God comes in two ways. And this is, I got words that you probably can find, well, I'll just say it, salvation and transformation. All right? So salvation is forgiveness. I'm saved. Unfortunately, most people stay there. But there's also transformation. I'm changed. And to me, part of why God keeps wiping out our sins is to get us to progressively change and grow, to reach our potential. And so then I wrote down four things that should happen when you change. You change spiritually You change relationally. You change your potential, like you maximize your potential, and then you change with regard to your purpose, reaching other people. So I'm not saying that's exactly how they go in, but I think that's important. Then on God wipes out guilt. I think including the concept of intimacy and the ability to be close to people happens when guilt is wiped out. So how do you know you've been forgive? How do you know you've experienced forgiveness? Let's call it experience. Okay. We know God forgives, and that's why I changed that one word for you, is from if to when, because if is the conditionality of if says that God might do it, and he is doing it. 1 John one says, basically, if you confess your sins, he'll forgive you. Right. So I think, we're, I think we're constantly in the state of forgiveness, and I don't believe the Bible says that you have to pray specifically for every sin to get forgiveness. So we're in the constant. That's why he says his blood is washing over you, his blood is washing over you, because it's, you actually don't have to stop every 25 seconds or every day and say, God, make sure you forgive me. I do that for my heart, not because of God. But I think what we have to get people convinced of is wiping out your guilt. How do you know if you experienced it? Because you're, you have intimacy and the ability to be close to people your walls and shields are down. So I think we have to give people facts like, yes, I've experienced it. How do I know? Cause yeah. I want to be close to people, which gets to your, your point about relational. Cause I think Gail did this with the teen uh, women or whatever. And I think part of the issue with it in the, in the teens is a lot of the older people, the adults actually are very shields up, walls up people. And they do that a lot. And then they teach it to the teenagers. And so the teenagers are very shields up, walls up anyway. we described our teen lives right and so i think that that's that's an important thing then on number two our relationship with god gives us joy and willingness sorry um removes regret and denial so to me we lose our joy when we are live in regret we lose our willingness when we live in denial that makes sense right
3: oh yeah i was just gonna say it i i really liked that first john one's included in there and i think maybe even including it earlier where it's kind of like, Hey, like we all have sin. We all have guilt. Like, let's talk about it. Like it kind of like simmers a lot of the emotions and brings kind of a lot out. Um, where I think even when we were talking about what it does to the relationships is when, when we kind of go, okay, Hey, you got sin. I got sin. like, yeah. like it makes the conversation so much more, uh, easy to have. Yeah. And it makes it easier, I guess, for me to read the study and go, okay, it's not a question as if I have guilt or sin. It's a matter of what am I doing with it? How am I handling it? How right. am I dealing with it? So I don't know if there's a way to, if, if it yeah, would do anything. I think bring so. so I, mean, I
0: mean, it'll be up to, ultimately, be up to Amy. But I, I would probably start out with like um, love keeps no record of wrongs or a forgiveness scripture. And I would start off emphasizing the point is never sin and the point is never guilt.
3: Uh-huh.
4: Hmm.
0: The point is always relationship. Right. The problem we have is that our humanistic rulemaking nature is to always turn things into performance Mm. instead of relationship because performance is easier than relationship. Why do you think it is that so many great, talented people can create movies, books, uh, be champions, win political office, become billionaires, but they can't build relationships because performing is easier than relationship. Mm -hmm. And we tend to want to turn sins and guilt and all the emotional challenges of being a Christian into rules because we don't know how to focus on relationship. So it's a lot easier when Rhett's out with all the storms of guilt in his head. He has an easy, and Mike, when you you have an easier time isolating than initiating, right? Because initiating is messy. I don't know what people are going to think. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to mm-hmm, react. Mm-hmm. And so if I keep it all hidden, I don't have to deal with all of the relationships. Yeah, <laughs> true. But what we do is we try to turn it into a conversation about sin even. And, and, and a lot of people will be like, I, I think we talk about sin too much. I actually think that's true and not true. Mm-hmm. It's true when it's spoken about absent or minus uh-huh. relationship.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. Mm.
0: But God never meant for sin to be a topic discussed absent relationship. He says Jesus came to die for it. Why? So you can have a relationship with me. Right. Mm. We kick out the relationship part. Well, you either kick out the relationship part, focus on the sin, or we kick out the sin part and just go, the relationship's good. Right. It's like, I slapped you in the face, but we don't need to talk about it <laughs> so we can be friends. Or all I want to talk about is when I slapped you in the face. When really it's about, how about we just be friends? Mm. How about we just care about each other? we hope you enjoy this episode be sure to check out our website
4: at deepspirituality.net where we have devotionals videos and articles also subscribe to our youtube channel just search deep spirituality and click subscribe you can also find us on all your favorite social media platforms so be sure to give us a like or a comment we love to hear your feedback and of course if you enjoy this podcast don't hesitate to leave us a five-star rating and review on itunes thanks for listening